considering flexible working requests. And one of the one of the blockers is their line manager mm. doesn't think it can be done. Everyone in this team works full time. Everyone in the team is in the office all the time. And but they've got a stakeholder higher up in the business who's all for it. Mm. And they've managed to identify a cheerleader for them who can basically, you know, if you have any problems with your flexible working request, come to me. I'll sort it out. I'll smooth it over. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast. I'm Ferina Hefti, and I believe that absolutely no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, amazing people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children, which leads to gender inequality and the same stale, often male, middle-class people leading our organisations. I want us to change this together. In fact, I hope that many of you listening to this podcast right now will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible, where you make decisions that make our world a better place. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus, which is all about supporting parents to get to senior leadership roles through equal career progression. Today, I'm chatting to Dom Holmes again on this podcast. He was a fantastic previous guest and I have wanted to get him back for a while. Today, we talk about how to move a job from five days a week to four days. Enjoy. A very warm welcome, Dom, to the podcast. Lovely to have you back. Thank um, you. Why don't you tell us and remind our newer listener who you are, what you do for work and who is in your family? Yes. So hi, everyone. My name is uh, Dom Holmes. So I am an employment lawyer by trade and have been for nearly 20 years. So I'm a partner in a large law firm called Mishkondorea. And I have two children and a lovely wife. My children are Jemima, who's going to be five in October. And I have a little boy called Tommy, who's going to be two in October. So that's our little family group. Mm, lovely. And when I spoke to you last time, uh, we were mm -hmm. talking about you working four days a week. And I just wanted to dig a bit deeper because a lot of our listeners, like I mentioned before, we came on the air, work full time, are very ambitious in their careers and then continue to be ambitious, but go maybe reduced to four or three days and then realize there's a huge amount of work to be done and never enough time. Mm. What, what did you do before you had children? Were you the stereotypical, you know, workaholic five and even more days a week? Or were you always really good at managing work-life balance? I certainly worked five days a week until my eldest child was born. And then it's interesting because I hadn't really thought about it that much. I mean, I, we work very hard as lawyers. We're a client-driven business. So we are generally as available as we can be. And I'm happy to talk about how I manage that now I'm I, I don't work five days a week and I've got some strategies that have been quite successful for me. But I hadn't really thought about it until I had we had our daughter. And then I suddenly thought, how on earth am I going to be able to give everything to work and everything to parenting? You know, can you do it? Can you do all of it? And the answer I found is yes, you can, but you have to be quite disciplined and you have to set really, really clear boundaries. So what I started doing. Uh, I started, I carried on working full time for about six or seven months, but a day a week from home, which was revolutionary pre-pandemic. <laughs> so that was 2018, 2019. And it 
kind of didn't really work for me because I was still not really having time to focus on parenting. I was just working in a different place. So then I went to four days a week and that has proved to be honestly the best career decision I've ever made. My daughter's going to school in September, which is slightly scary for me, first time for me, but I honestly would not have given up anything we've done in the last four years. The time I've had with her and my son has been amazing. So it's been yeah, a really life-affirming choice for me. Mm. What's the best thing? This is not a parenting podcast, but I'm just curious. What's the, be- <laughs> what's the best thing do you think you've done as a result of not working that day a week? So Friday. So my, my daughter calls Friday Dad Venture Day. So, which I'm quite pleased about, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, we all go out, we all go out as a family, but it's really that we have a day where it is all about the children in a way that, I mean, obviously we still spend a lot of time together at the weekends and stuff, but we see other family members and do other things. We have my wife and I have a bit of time to do our own hobbies or whatever, but Friday is all about the children and having that, that time, that bonding time to take them on outings you know, even go to the beach or go on a bus. I mean, sometimes you just want to go on a bus and go and get an ice cream somewhere. But, you know, it's incredibly precious time where you can really focus on them and not have any other kind of distractions from work or whatever else else it is. And that's something I never would have had otherwise. Mm. I love, I mean, that that title, that venture day, that feels like a massive <laughs> tick whenever you're doubting that, you know, you always doubt whether you're not a good yeah. enough parent, but that that is amazing. Just a very practical question, which also mm. I didn't send you as part of the briefing, but from a personal perspective, how do you manage the how all the like the mounting, you know, the, the, the mountains of washing? Do you have help in the household or a cleaner? Or if you, I, I'm sure lots no. of people can. No, and you still manage to have that many days. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we survive entirely on the overnight function of our washing machine. So the timer setting. So we do it. Oh, while we're sleeping <laughs> and then whoever is up first my wife or I will will get the washing out um, but yeah that is an absolute lifesaver so yeah, yeah. that's how we manage it <laughs> so yeah that's how, how it works <laughs> excellent well you know what that might be the top what number one household <laughs> tip that I've picked up <laughs> excellent actually yeah I wonder why we're not doing this such a simple thing never mind let me come back to the very more serious and you know (laughs) question of so you've when you moved originally your job Mm. it's a big workload as a lawyer how did you reduce the workload to those four days initially did you just take on fewer clients or was another way of reducing the amount of stuff to do or you became super efficient What, what did you do to resize that job well I mean, there's a few things I did. I became much better at delegating and relying on my team. So, you know, yeah, particularly sort of, you know, senior people, leaders and businesses, however important we think we are, actually, we're only as good as the team around us. And as I say, it's a cliche, but it's really true. So I learned to delegate very quickly so that I kept my Fridays as free as possible. That's the first thing. Second thing, I learned to say no a bit more well and I learned to push back if people wanted meetings about things I'd ask you know I'd be a bit more careful in saying well what's the purpose of this discussion and I would you know be quite selective I I, I used before I used to just put my hand up for everything 
which is, you know is a great attitude i think when you are when you are pushing for career advancement sometimes you have to do some of that but i was doing a lot of stuff that was of limited value to anybody whether that was attending an event or going on a committee to do something where actually i probably wasn't the best placed person to do it or it wasn't the best use of my time in terms of the the reward and the return i might have got from it i think yeah the other thing is i i have become quite ruthlessly efficient in my time in how i organize my day if people i mean often people will will, will have meetings in diaries and they you know people put the standard 30 minute meeting in and that used to wind me up <laughs> people used to feel the need to use every last second of those 30 minutes now if you can have a conversation in 10 minutes let's just get it done and get on with our day so i've become a bit better at that probably a bit more um yeah a bit more strict with my time and valuing my own time and then asking other people to, to value it in the same way mm. interesting i want to unpick all of this so first okay. of all with finishing meetings early yes can you and I know this sounds very basic, but I'm interested, and I'm sure our listeners will be as well. What exactly do you say when someone wants to talk more, but you think actually it's been sorted? Um, well, there. Are, I mean, you have to know the personalities of the people involved, I think. I think it always helps. Sometimes I will ask uh, people to just do a quick agenda. I mean, it's you know, even for a half-hour meeting, here are, the, here are the two or three points we need to, we need to crunch through. And then often it's quite obvious when you've got to the bottom of them. We're like, well, great, we've, we've sorted that out. Everyone knows what they're doing. And we can also, you know, often we can say it in a positive way. Like, you know, I've just given you 20 minutes back in your in your diary. Let's go and make the most of it. So you, there's, there's ways of kind of finishing those conversations, I think. And actually people are generally better at that than they used to be. Mm. I think. I mean, sometimes you do have to sit there. And I, I think it's important to respect that other people you know do really want that time to talk through issues in a bit more detail or maybe ask you about something else while they've got you particularly if you've got a, a full schedule or they might they try to trying to talk to you for the last few days and i think you have to respect that so I, I, you do have to gauge it on a case-by-case basis but yeah meetings that go on when they don't for longer than they need to i mean it, it's something i've tried to to really focus on and, and manage people's expectations around Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think once you you're getting to know as the person who talks efficiently you it's easier isn't it it's more to start and that is tough and delegation so mm. if you pick up a line management handbook it will probably say you need to delegate yeah generally delegation is seen as a really important thing to do yeah but so many of us are not doing it enough and I absolutely count myself in that <laughs> I'm actually going away probably I'm going away for longer than usual. I won't give away. Actually, this will go out after I've gone away. So I'm going to go away for a month in August, which is fantastic. But it means I actually have to properly delegate. And guess what? Now I'm delegating everything. This is my last working day. And it's totally possible. And people are actually better placed in doing it. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's a mindset shift. But I'm interested with you. What do you think you are delegating now that you weren't in those first six weeks after you came back from parental leave? That's a really good question. I think I often assumed that clients, when they phoned up, they wanted to talk to me or when they sent an email, I'd be quite quick to say, fine, let's have a call rather Mm -hmm. 
so-and-so in my team can handle this for you. I've copied them in. And that's really important because, you know, especially if you're leading a team, you need to generate that trust in the wider team. And it's not just about you as the, you know, as the, as the main person or the, the manager of that group. It's helpful for clients in our, in our profession to have multiple points of contact that they can trust. And then that, in turn, that makes it so much easier for me to step away on my non-working day because I know that everything's under control. And if there's an emergency, someone will get hold of me. But generally, it's all fine. And I've learned to let go. And there's also, I always now, my first thought when something comes in, whether it's client related or admin or anything else, am I actually the best person to do this? Yes, I can do it. I probably think I'm. it's quicker for me to do it than ask someone else to do it. I mean, I think that's a really common thing. But what I found over time is like, that's not often the case. Mm. So if I delegate a piece of work to a member of my team and get them, say, to draft a document, that will take me maybe five minutes to explain it and maybe 10 or 15 minutes to check it, maybe a bit longer. Mm. You think, well, that would have taken me an hour to do that myself. So I've made a big saving there. And, it, and it's just about reminding yourself, okay, does this really need to be me? Because when we're talking about, you know, people working four days a week, you've got to value your time and you can't do everything. So mm. you need to pick pick the things that make the maximum use of your skills and experience. And it's often the, the stuff that you've done a hundred times before is not the best use of your skills and experience. Mm-hmm. Agreed. However, do you not feel, at the beginning, didn't you feel that you could be perceived as lazy doing that? Because in my experience, that's what a lot of people holds them back from delegating. Mm. Did you experience that or not? I didn't, I didn't experience that in reality. I, I was certainly worried about that perception. And I was worried about what people thought about me being part-time as well. And people say, oh, that's quite unusual. That's quite unusual for a man to do it. It's quite unusual for a, a, a male partner in a law firm to do. Actually, I wasn't even the first male partner in my own firm to work part-time. Mm-hmm. So it, it can absolutely be done. But it was all in my own head. And where I got to, and I got to it quite quickly, is, well, actually, do I really care what other people think? Because... The reason I am part-time for a reason is because I want a better work-life balance and quality time with my children, as we've discussed. So people think I'm late. I mean, judge me on my results as well. You know, I can honestly say that I have been, you know, in terms of the pure metrics, which are what a lot of lawyers are judged on, I've been more successful on four days a week than five days a week. I don't usually interrupt a podcast for ads. But as you know, I really passionately believe we need more people who don't look like your stereotypical white male stale middle class leader works nine to five in decision making roles. And so I just want to take a minute to very warmly invite you to apply to our cross sector fellowship program. That is, if you're listening right now, you're caring for your kids, you do find the juggle tough at times, but also you do have big dreams for your career. And if that's you, then I would love it if you would put an application in. Any questions, just get in touch. I've asked the past fellow, Jennifer Crowley, to share with you what she got from the experience.
All the details are on leadersplus.org forward slash apply. This is Jennifer's experience. Hi, I'm Jennifer Crowley, Global Director of Responsible Business with Kin and Carta. We are a digital transformation consultancy with colleagues around the world and really, really proud to be the first listed B Corp on the London Stock Exchange. I completed the Leaders Plus um, program in 2021 as I was returning from Matley with my second child. It was game changing for me. I feel so lucky to have met it, to have met the program, to have met Verena, to have met the structure, the preparation and the diligence that goes into every minute of every call. It is such good value. Why has it been game changing for me? I met it at the right time. I was really clear that I did not want to repeat that dip that I experienced from my first maternity leave. My ambition was higher than ever. And so I needed to be quite intentional about seeking out the support that my mind, my intellect, and my emotions needed to get back in the game as I was returning from that leave. The people that I met on the course have become allies and uh, co-conspirators for life, I hope. We've met in real life a few times, but the hybrid nature of the Leaders Plus program has really worked for schedules and for deadlines and for all of the competing demands of life. My advice to anyone considering whether they deserve such a support program is don't hesitate. Do prioritize, do fight for the time to get clear on why and how you will work it. It's a muscle. And so the structure, the insight, the research that the course brings you does deserve that time to to reflect upon and to incorporate into how you go about your work into the annual targets that you will set as part of your role. I offer my absolute support and encouragement to anybody that's considering the program. Very specifically, it equips you with knowledge, it reduces your doubt, and it galvanizes your ambition into a very constructive plan. I don't think it's any coincidence that I'm now in my dream role, working with Kin and Carter's executive board to really solidify our ESG ambitions, to recertify for B Corp, and to go on and do great things for our clients in the context of the climate and diversity and inclusion. And that answers another important question, which was this client engagement. Mm. And I have quite a lot of people who start a fellowship program when they're from cl- client-facing environments. They're often, they're not in an environment like you described, where they're just already a part-time mm. partner. And they find it's ex- incredible. They've, they've been told it's impossible to work part-time in a client-facing environment. Have you ever faced people who told you it was impossible to do part-time in a client-facing environment or not really? I haven't. I was very fortunate and I'm still very fortunate to have a management team that are very, very supportive and understand you know, why I have in place the arrangements I have. I can completely understand other people have different challenges maybe from managers who don't understand how it can work in the same way and certainly people other people who work part-time or are seeking to go part-time I, I mean I, I talked to quite a few people who are in that in that tipping point where they're, they're they want to ask but the undertone is well how are you going to make that work when you know the client calls you on two o'clock on a Thursday afternoon and you've taken the hour out to go and pick up your child and 
you know, who you know they can't get hold of anyone else. How do you deal with that? There are absolutely ways of dealing with it because a lot of people do it. Mm. You know, you know, it's it is certainly not the case that you know all part time people own back office roles. It's it's just a complete fallacy. So it, mm. it can work if the organization wants it to work and the individual can demonstrate the value to the business as well as to themselves of having a flexible working arrangement. Have you lost any clients because you're working part time? No, not a single one. Okay. And actually, I was having a it's interesting because when I started working part time, I told some clients about it, ones I'd, I'd worked with for many years. Others, I just didn't mention it. And actually, they just didn't notice. Mm. And I'm, again, I'm happy to talk about how I practically manage my time and my, the client-facing aspect of my role. And I had a really lovely conversation just this morning with, with a client. We're, we're working on a, a case together. And he said he was going to be out tomorrow. We've got a deadline to hit. He's going to be out tomorrow. And he said, well, I should probably tell you it's my first time, my first day as a on four days per week. And I'm a bit, you know, I, I don't quite know how it's going to go. And I told him that I'd been doing it for four years. He had absolutely no idea. <laughs> and he's been working for you, with you for yeah, a, lo- for, a long time. Um, six, seven years, I would say. Really? Yeah. So, wow. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just not relevant if you are delivering on, if you're delivering the job, it doesn't really matter how you organize your work sorry it shouldn't matter Mm. shouldn't matter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean I'm really I thought you would have told me that you've cut stuff out of your job in order to make it work but it sounds like you haven't you have just become super efficient you've become really good at delegating and very very precious about where you spend your time yeah I mean I I think I have cut things out Rena. i I think it goes back to the point about saying no to stuff. So I look at the the basic elements of my role are to ensure the team I'm working with runs smoothly. So I've got about 15 lawyers in my team, making sure that it's a well-oiled machine. Everyone knows their role. Everyone is happy and motivated. And my other main role is to, you know, uh, support my clients and try and bring new clients into the business. And if I'm doing those things, everything else is you know if I'm asked to do something I always think well does it materially advance what I'm trying to do in one of those areas and if it doesn't I probably don't need to do it mm-hmm. and then if it is something we should be doing the next question is well should I be doing it which mm-hmm. goes back to your point about delegation should I should I step out altogether and give it to someone else who's better placed should I stay involved but in the background and delegate and supervise mm-hmm. and you did hint at how you manage that practically with your clients so mm. employment law is i imagine quite often emotionally charged can be or can be maybe maybe mm. not, not all the time but it's very urgent work people are used to lawyers working long hours yep what do you say to a client who wants to speak to you at five o'clock on a thursday afternoon and you need to you need to go out to pick up your daughter so I'm, I'm very clear about my boundaries. I will, you know, ultimately, as I said, we are we are client driven, but often these things are net are not quite as urgent as as they're made out to be. So I will, I'm often able to have a really constructive discussion with a client and say, I'm really sorry, I can't talk to you immediately, but I can be available at, you know, seven this evening, which is basically bath time, bedtime. 
mm-hmm. done. Um, and if it's still urgent, well, sort of. <laughs> You're going to make all our listeners, and including me, extremely jealous. We're <laughs> saying well, bedtime like is say done at wife, 7 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, but no, my, my wife and I tag team on it. So, yeah, if I needed to escape up to my office at 7 to do a call, I could. But I won't. Again, I, and I block out in my calendar every day, 5.30 till 7 is no calls or meetings. That is dinner time and bath time and time with the family. So if it's really important and the client needs to speak to me, they can speak to me at 7. Often it'll be, okay, don't worry, we'll chat in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then on my non-working days, the way I, I operate, I, I will almost always work with someone else in my team which is the right thing to do in terms of delegating the work, making sure it's done at the right level, making sure other people get the right experience that I've had, you know, benefited from in the past. And if someone needs to get hold of me on a, on a Friday when I don't work, uh, all of my team have my personal, my personal mobile number. Mm-hmm. So they can get hold of me. My clients can't get hold of me and they have to go through that gateway. And often I'll either have a five minute chat with some with one of my team members and they'll deal with it. Or on the rare occasion when they say, look, it really has to be you, Dom. They really need to talk to you. I'll say, OK, I'll talk to them at this time, which is I don't nap time in the afternoons or whatever it is. So I can do it on my terms. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm just thinking in my head what about the conversation I had with the fellow who who was in this client-facing role and just started the program. And the other thing she was worried about was about the perception of the people above. Now, obviously, you are a partner, so there are not that many people above you. But do you have any reflections about when you are working part-time and you do need to set boundaries, with your, including with your clients, about how to get your bosses on board for example the part part if it's a law firm the partner in that law firm on board if it's if you're the only one doing it yeah it's a really good question and it's it's not all always straightforward and it again it kind of depends on the people you're working with i mean i know people who have been considering flexible working requests i will answer your question in a minute i think this is mm. important context they think they're considering flexible working requests and one of the one of the blockers is their line manager Mm. doesn't think it can be done everyone in this team works full time everyone in the team is in the office all the time and but they've got a stakeholder higher up in the business who's all for it Mm. and they've managed to identify a cheerleader for them who can basically you know if you have any problems with your flexible working request come to me i'll sort it out i'll smooth it over so that you know it it does happen that you know sometimes the people you're working for are a little bit reluctant but there are others who aren't but Mm. but to come back to your question i think the way i i would approach is to say you know you know i'm committed to this job you need to judge me on my results and Mm. you know there's a four-day week arrangement or, or whatever let's see how it goes i will show you i will show you i can make it work and then it's up to you uh, really, but don't don't just make an assumption that whatever flexible working arrangement I have or childcare commitments I have means it can't work. Because there will be times when, regardless of whether you have children or not, you will be absent unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. You fall sick, something happens at home, you can't get into the office because the trains 
you know, gone kaput in a tunnel and you're just not contactable for a couple of hours, does mm. the world fall apart? No. Absolutely. And if you think about the stereotypical CEO, you picture mm. them on a golf course, which is also not all the time <laughs> responding. Well, nowadays with mobile phones, I guess you are responding yeah. there. Interesting. And it sounds like you are quite often that person that people can go to. <laughs> You might not want to comment, but it sounds like you're a door opener if if need be well, internally. I, I just think, you know, we need to make work as accessible as possible for people. And I I fully accept that it is this is often much harder for women in the workplace than men because, mm. you know, we are we still live in a culture where women are, you know, bear the the brunt of childcare responsibility in many cases but until we until we make that conversation gender neutral for example and and you have men and women who are saying no this absolutely can work the pandemic has taught us that Verena and that's a that's a massive difference when we we last spoke I think in 2019 Mm. on your podcast and since then you know I would say yeah, the vast majority of businesses I work work with would say working from home just can't be done. When you're when you're forced into it, it was like a a, com- a compulsory mass experiment, mm. wasn't it? Where everyone mm. was working from home, and I realised there were certain you know certain industries where it's very difficult and people had to be furloughed, etc. But we're now coming out of that, and it's really interesting to see the differences in approach. Some some employers are quite insistent on having people back in the office; other others are more relaxed. But saying that you can't do a lot of jobs from home just doesn't just doesn't wash anymore with people. Mm. Yeah, and it's such such a dumb decision. Sorry to be because you end up turning away so many people who really wanted to work, and you're not the employer of choice if you do that. It's it's not smart from a business perspective, in my view. I think yeah, I think it's a, a, accessibility in the workplace. You know, regardless of your circumstances, has to be the number one driver behind a good employer whether mm. it's you know your your family circumstances or age or social mobility I and mean, we've barely touched the surface on that or mm. people with health conditions we need to make it as easy as possible because the more of that we do the more diverse talent we get into our organizations the better it is and easier it is to retain them mm. so mm. one thing i'm saying as an employment lawyer is that pay is less of a driver now for people they want to understand the flexibility in the role and the career advancement in their role before how much they get paid. Not in all cases, mm-hmm. but I, I've seen definitely a softening in in that area, which, which has been interesting. Mm, that's really fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing with us. We're coming to the end of this podcast. And like as you know, with every podcast, we always ask for two or three really small things people can do this week. So mm. if someone is listening to this, is currently working five days a week but wants to move to four or three and let's say they've got the flexible working request agreed but now the question is just how do they make the role possible within that time what would be a few very small things they could start doing this week to head in the right direction well the i mean the key thing you've got it agreed that's great so you've got your employer on board and they will often have assessed you know and you may have had discussions around you know how it can work for the business as well as it works for you. I always talk to people about you've got to see it from both both perspectives and mm. and make sure it's a benefit to the business. 
you need to you definitely need to start as you mean to go on it's really easy i think to have mission creep you end up doing an hour here an hour there on your non-working days because it's easier than or you it's perceived to be easier than just having mm. a complete break i i think you if you're in a in a, a client facing role sometimes you have to accept there will be occasions where you might be disturbed but that should be emergencies only rather than yeah i'm anticipating i'm going to spend a couple of hours at least you know sorting out work because ultimately you're not getting paid for that day so, mm. and there's always more work there's always more work yes yeah work fills the time available i think some, someone said didn't they so having really clear boundaries between work and home life i think is really important and communicating to to others that that's what you're doing and actually i i thought that might meet some resistance when i did it i couldn't have been more wrong so maybe i was lucky mm. but people like i think businesses are now more accepting than they have been that flexible working really works mm-hmm. and where they've invested a lot in training someone up and and seeing them progress their careers that you know there's that should not be a barrier to them continuing to progress their careers and and, and the employer realizing the benefit of that investment in training someone up to, to do a specific role much better than losing them and then mm. having to recruit someone else and start from scratch mm, absolutely very well said and you're an employment lawyer so we have to believe you <laughs> <laughs> so th- thank you so much dom it's been really nice to have an excuse to have a proper chat Again, if people want to find out more about your work or want to connect mm-hmm. with you, where should they go? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. So if you search for Dominic Holmes Employment Lawyer, I will I will pop up on LinkedIn. I tend to be most active on there. I'm not great on other social media sites. To my point about that was not a very good use of my time. So if you look at my Twitter account, if you can find it, I probably haven't done anything on it for about four years. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. The, by the time this goes out, Twitter might not even be in existence anymore. Well, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so LinkedIn is the best place. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dom. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And thank you especially to everyone who's connected recently with me on LinkedIn. It's been so surprising how many of you have reached out and I really, really love getting your messages and I always accept your connection requests. And I love all your suggestions on where to take the show next. It's obviously a really hard work thing. It might not sound like it, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to put out the podcast. And hearing that makes a difference to real life people is just really, really lovely. So thank you for that. If you've liked the podcast and if you like those themes we talk about and you actually want to connect with some real life people around them, then you should definitely consider applying to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme, which is a high impact programme supporting you to progress your career with little ones in tow. There is one programme left starting in 2023. Applications for that one close on the 31st of October 2023 and the details are on the website leadersplus.org.uk. You can also find info on some of our free events on there. And we always do have hardship fund spaces available. On the fellowship, you get access to really inspirational role models who have been there, done that, with bringing up kids whilst progressing your career. You get support with practical challenges, for example, workload management or saying no. You'll get really important time for yourself 
to think about what you want in your career, what you want for your family and how to make it happen together with a group of very, very supportive and very amazing peers and some very experienced facilitators as well. So if you want to look at it, then leaderspass.org.uk is the place to go. In our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or got additional senior responsibility by the end of the programme. And they're all involved in some shape or form in driving change for working parents. And I should say the satisfaction with work-life balance have gone up significantly as well. I think it's more than doubled compared to the starting point of the programme. So I'm really pleased with that. Big thank you for all your support and especially also to all of those who've left reviews for the podcast. It is such a helpful thing and I'm extremely grateful for all of you who've done that or who've shared this episode with a friend that could benefit from it. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>